morning, good morning. We all right? Oh, hello at the back. Sorry, I didn't turn around. Hello. Good. We've just been um, flag waving at the front. Very fun. Um, it's good to be here. What a fun church community. I've actually been here a few years ago, worked with a previous student team of your guys and uh, I've always struck right from the start. Firstly, um, what a gift that you were put here by the Lord before we knew how much property prices were going to go up in Manchester and how much they were going to try and build everything around you. What a joy that you're still in the heartbeat of young adult land. That's really exciting. And, um, and what a joy that um, heaven's going to look a lot like this. Like, thank you for giving us a better glimpse of the kingdom than most church communities that we're working with at the moment. You guys, in terms of even um, every tribe and every tongue, the fact that you've got over 40 nations in the house, uh, that is good news. If you're visiting here and you're wondering what is Jesus like and what does his family look like when they get together, listen in and pay attention and eat alongside these guys because you've just got a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is like by the way that you guys welcome each other and serve one another and genuinely um, give voice to and space for all that the Lord is doing here and abroad uh, in our midst as a family. I just see a lot of the kingdom here. Uh, that's such an encouragement. And uh, yeah, if I was a student, oh, what a beautiful place to call home. What a joy. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm not going to take too much of your time, but what I do want to do is encourage you, firstly, with what the Spirit of God is already doing in this land around young adults and students. I want to raise your expectation and your level of faith for the next generation coming through because we are seeing salvation stories and we are seeing the local church wake up all over the land to discipling your 18-year-olds and seeing them transition into university full of faith, full of courage. Uh, and participating in the mission of God. So I want to encourage you and inspire you by what we're already hearing uh, the Lord do across the nation. And then secondly, I really want to um, provoke you to think about your part in this story. And you already have a piece in the student mission story over the nation, but there's more for you. And I'd love to try and draw out some of what uh, this church family story might be in student mission. And then finally, I, I want to leave you with some real practical take hold of uh, things that you can run with this year. A lot of them will just encourage you what you're already doing and real, realizing just how powerful it is for a 19-year-old to come across this family and how you already express the kingdom of God here. But some real practical things. And um, I'm, I'm not a massive, like I didn't mean, I'm not a massive fan of, like I don't want to be in the academic world particularly, but I, I've accidentally done a master's um, by, by a, you know, when, when you and the Lord have slightly different ideas um, and I was like, Jesus, please may I sit in on some Bible classes because I've never been taught, but I end up preaching uh, and I feel very out of my depth. So can please somebody teach me? And then, uh, and, and then annoyingly, I ended up uh, doing a master's, which is a privilege, but also that means you actually have to write essays to get marked. So that's a shame. But um, I finished that uh, two weeks ago, praise the Lord. And uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> what a relief. I've actually, you know, we're talking about transition. I've just had a, an absolutely cracking season change because at the end of this summer, like in the last two weeks, I uh, finished my degree um, my job has changed in terms of pioneering in Europe and I turned 30 last week so I feel like I'm absolutely kicking it and you know like it's all been the carpentry years if you're under 30 right now you are all still just in carpentry years you are just making tables you are just being refined you're being chiseled by the Holy Spirit but that day you turn 30 somebody pay attention right somebody watch out because if Jesus only kicked off then then if you're under 30 and you're in the instant generation like me calm down because it's all carpentry 
You're all in the formational process of the Lord probably hiding you, keeping you to himself and coaching you. Um, But I'm now paying attention because I'm like, okay then, Jesus, what now? Anyway, I did a dissertation on how students have come to faith in the last 18 months in the UK. And so what I want to do is share some of the ways in which we found from testimony on the grounds, people actually meeting Jesus for the first time. Every student that I spoke to had to, on the day they turned up as a fresher, which might be for some of you today, you, they had to say at university, I showed up as a fresher, either I didn't believe in God at all, but certainly, absolutely nowhere near knowing Jesus and uh, identifying as a follower of Jesus. At the end of their university career, normally about three years, sometimes a little longer, every single one of these students identified as a, normally baptised as well, fully signed up, 100% all in, disciple of Jesus Christ. And so my question is, well then what happened? What happened at university that has made the difference to your life literally being saved and transformed and brought into fullness of life? What went on there? So that was my question. And I figured if we could find out that, then you and I that already know Jesus, we've got some tools for how to be the best invitation to fullness of life for others. Because we've got some idea of things that are connecting and making sense, particularly for your 18s to 30s generation, who statistically we're not seeing so much of in church. And yet we know your 20s particularly, you've got this huge transition window of identity And that is such a formational time for finding out why you're on the planet, that you're handmade on purpose for a purpose, knowing that God has a name and that actually the rest of your life can be transformed because of who you walk with and who lives in you. And so that's the kind of stuff I want us to talk about today. And just so you know, um, you're probably aware of this, but even in kind of basic uh, studies of maturity and growing up, you know now that where it used to be, you do your teens and you hit adult at 18 and and then off you go into adult years. We know that even psychologically, you have not finished developing your morals, your ethics, your worldview, your faith until at least about 29, which means technically, I only just landed. I've only just decided. (laughs) That's not true. But throughout your 20s, we have a much longer transition window when we're all working out what am I actually about what is life about what do I actually believe which means we have a longer opportunity to invite people into more and more of the truth and fullness of Jesus because they're not showing up to university with it all already nailed down they're not even graduating with it all nailed down They're journeying into their young professional lives, still asking the big questions and open to change. That is good news for mission. That is important news for discipleship. And it's relevant news today, particularly because of the demographic that's in the room, the demographic of your children, and if we're going on love your neighbour, who's outside the door. So there are four. um, I've got the big four. These four major areas of life that us as a church community in its many expressions across Manchester and across the UK. Four things I want us to pay attention to, which we see echoed throughout Scripture, and uh, four things that really we want to take hold of in how we are a mission team. We are God's mission on earth. You know, not just an in-house party, but an out-there invitation, okay? And they're real simple. They're really obvious. And it's as if, it's as if this wasn't actually new, as if... Maybe the Bible, in fact, was incredibly relevant in how it expressed the fullness of Christ back then. 
But the simple four big hitters that I'm going to unpack with you today is uh, absolutely key to young adults coming to faith. Is firstly, you've guessed it, the local church. Secondly, the nuance of those key relationships. And I'll unpack what that means. Key relationships. Not just a big gathering. Key relationships. Thirdly, the ability to investigate and space to explore. Question asking. Doubt comes into that. And number four, the supernatural encounter of the Holy Spirit. An experience of God in a way that just can't be talked about but actually has to be lived. So if we were, uh, we're going to live around the book of Acts as we go because in a sense that's got a, uh, it's got everything we need to find examples in scripture of what we're still finding true of the local church today. Acts, we know Luke, uh, who wrote the gospel of Luke, carried on in part two in Acts. Luke has a big emphasis on uh, the Holy Spirit and the role of the Spirit of God in the early church. Luke is a master at um, writing, so Acts is where you get full of beautiful speeches. And um, Luke often paints ideals of the early church. It's worth saying that... uh, The early church does also fall into all of the same kind of pastoral issues and probably worse than we come across. Uh, The Acts early church isn't perfect and we're all always trying to strive to be Acts. That's not true. But Luke did want to give us some real inspiration for what could be possible in the early church. And so um, as I bring out these four factors, we're just going to keep nodding towards where we can take hold of it in Scripture. This isn't alien. This isn't bizarre. It happened then. What does it look like now? And do keep thinking and reflecting on you, your community, your friendship group. How are you part of this story? This isn't just theory. Everything I'm speaking about comes from lived, saved, young adult lives. And that matters. So the local church. Let me pray first before I do this. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in the business of transformation. Father God, I ask that you would transform my words, that they might bring life and practical, fruitful outworking. Lord, I pray that this church would see breakthrough in students, and I pray that we would all lean in with hungry hearts to hear you. Calm, Holy Spirit. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the local church, the local church is a big deal. We know it's the family of God, but what about it is really appealing to the young adults, to the students coming through? Well, um, there were over 40 things that students named as being a big factor in how they came to Christ. And there were 12 of those 40 that over 75% of students went, that was key. Without that, I don't know whether I'd be following Jesus today. And when it comes to you guys as a local church community, here are some big things that make all the difference to students meeting Jesus or, you know, 80s to 30s. Your Sunday services, your midweek expression of community in the form of a small group, how you guys welcome, and this one I didn't expect, your Sunday preaching. No pressure. So, it actually still matters that we meet on Sundays. And when there's, there's a lot of talk around, you know, should the church do a big kind of front-led thing? Aren't we just a scattered community? Should we just meet in the workspaces? Do we need a big time of worship? Do we always need a preach? Doesn't this generation switch off after 10 minutes anyway? All those kind of questions come up. Whether we like it or not, you guys having a heartbeat of gathering together to worship God as a family get-together once a week is still the number one thing that every student that came to faith said was important to them. Which means for all of us who know Jesus already, 
This is a very good invite, week in, week out, regardless of whether it's guest-friendly, student Sunday, particularly missional, doesn't matter. Honestly, only one of the students I interviewed said it was a guest service that connected. Everyone else, it was your regular Sunday meeting. Students actually, particularly your 18-year-olds coming now, they've got less baggage around church, so they're very open to trying it. In the last two weeks, uh, the movement I work for, Fusion, we've been helping churches over 25 locations all around the country get into student unions, freshers' fairs, to invite, cold contact, invite students to try church for the first time. We've had over 700 young adults on the spot download an app to find a local church, and they've never gone to church before. The 18-year-olds coming through are actually open. When you say to them, do you want to try church? They normally say, what's church? Or... I have literally never been asked that before. What does that mean? Have you been to church before? Yeah, yeah, once. When? Funeral. Ah, okay. Uh, do you want to try church? Yeah, I do. When is it? 6.30. What day of the week? What? Not joking. This generation are really open to your Sunday church gathering. They've just never been. But they're up for new experiences. They're respectful of what other people believe because we've been raised to be. They're curious, and uh, if they're your mate, they'll probably come just because they're like you. This, every single week, is a key missional opportunity. Have you realised that? Have you thought that? And then, tripping on from that, of course, theologically, we know church isn't just a meeting. Good news is your small groups matter, which is a joy to hear that you guys have just been being retrained up in how to do missional small groups. Um, turns out your midweek, your regular midweek, isn't just for Christians. Students that don't know Jesus need that small group community to feel like they belong to something. Turns out you're welcome, which this church is brilliant at. Because when I showed up, I showed up earlier than the pastor. Sorry, sir. I just wanted a parking space. Um, That meant I got your welcome without you guys knowing I was speaking. And it's really good, which is fun, right? Because technically that's like mystery shopper going in for some free food. But you guys were brilliant at the welcome, showing me in, uh, making me feel settled, all that stuff. Welcome's really important. All these students were like, it was the way everyone accepted me and welcomed me judgment-free that helped me connect. And these students, time and time again, kept saying, actually, I'd never heard about God, so what they taught on Sunday was their first impression of how to read the Bible and who Jesus is. And for them, seeing the Sunday preach and people respond to it was a huge part of them going, I think this might be real. Now, we see in the book of Acts, you can look at Acts 2, you can look at Acts 4. Throughout the book of Acts, you get these irresistible descriptions of the early church. People just sharing with one another in small groups, in larger gathered. They're listening to the apostles' teaching. They're listening to the Bible being taught because they actually didn't have them like we do. So the public reading of scripture and debating of it was kind of needed because no one had it on an app. There was no need amongst them. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's like us gathering was enough for other people to be drawn in, invited and encounter Jesus. Is that true for you today? Because students are meeting Jesus in your regular community and touching what this church is about. On the slide, there's a a bunch of quotes from students on the different things that they said. If we roll on past the scriptures, if that can. Um, Some of the things they said, like one student showed up to church and said, um, I actually went to try and research how real God isn't, and it totally backfired. (laughs) They're like, I'm here to prove that God isn't real. Oh, no, it's all true. 
have a look at some of those quotes. They've never, ever been. So they thought, why not? It's freshers. I'm trying out the rugby team. I might as well try church. Honestly, it's kind of like that. One of them just wanted to get out of clubbing. So a Sunday night church was a good excuse not to go out because they just didn't like going out like that. This is what some of these guys are saying on the ground. That small group thing, they crave small community. We need to be known. And when you've just moved to a new city and no one knows your name and your history, finding a group of eight rather than a group of 80 feels actually quite helpful for somebody knowing your name, somebody knowing where you're from, somebody caring enough to check how you're doing today. So I'm going to make you work. I want you to turn to a couple of people next to you and have a quick chat. So the first major finding is about how you express yourselves to the local church community. So check in with each other. What surprises you about that? What struck you as I was just speaking about that? Secondly, where do you think this church is actually pretty good? And where are you being challenged even now? You're like, oh, hold on. I've missed that. Or I've never thought about this as an invite. Or we could do better at that. And I could be part of that solution. So let's do a little bit of feedback. Turn with the people next to you. What's just struck you? Major thing, the church. Go, have a chat. Go for it. Okay. All I'm doing is starting a conversation. I know that you're not going to come up with all the solutions now, all of that, but I just want to provoke you. So I want to start, break the ice, start a conversation about these four areas. So the next one, absolutely key to people coming to faith today, is around our relationships. But there's some specifics within that the students really noticed that um, is worth paying attention to. So in that banner of relationships, which is a distinct within that church community. Firstly, every student had a key Christian friend who in some way was the inviter or the person to first tell them about Jesus. Which means for basically all of us sat in the room who know him, we are probably the key Christian friend for somebody else's faith story of coming to know Jesus. It's probably you. It's probably me. Sometimes that friend, all they did was in a no-pressure way just say, I'm going to church on Sunday you're really welcome to come with me. Like, I'd love you to experience it too. You're invited. For others, it was as simple as, like one student sat next to this guy who's not drinking at a big social, and she's like, why are you not drinking? And all he did was have the courage to tell the truth. He just went, oh, I just don't get drunk. I'm a Christian. It's just not something I need. That was it. Very chill, but just told the truth. For another one... Um, that, this one was funny, actually. She was a drama student, and um, she said, there are, uh, there are all these people that sort of call themselves Christians, but then just didn't live it at all. Um, and they, would, uh, they wouldn't swear, but they would sleep around. And so she was quite confused, because she was like, your language is good, but I totally thought that was a different lifestyle. Anyway, and then there was this one girl that swore like a trooper, but wouldn't sleep with her boyfriend. And this student went, hold on, she must believe in God because I've never seen that. And that, it was, she was just like totally unexpectedly realised there must be something in this God thing because why wouldn't you do what everyone else is doing? Why would you be honest about it? And why would you actually like almost be confident in just not adopting the same trend as the rest of the world and all of that stuff? And so it was that lifestyle choice that meant she actually asked the Christian the question, you need to tell me how you do that and why, that led to her to take God seriously enough to go, well, if you take God seriously enough to do something that nobody else does in our culture, I'm going to take this serious enough to go to church with you and find out more. So these students kept saying it was a Christian friend being honest, 
It was the authenticity and integrity of those Christians. They never said the Christians were perfect. That last story, for example. What they did always say was there was something marked about Christians being honest about their struggles and their joys. So there was no expectation Christians are perfect. And therefore, we all end up hypocrites, right? Because we just can't live up to that standard. But there was this consistent heartbeat of, I had a key Christian friend, and they, would, they actually lived what they believed, and they were honest about it. Even on the difficult days, the days of doubting, the days of going like, I don't know where God is in this situation with my mum being ill, or I actually am really struggling with my mental health right now, and I was hoping for better breakthrough than I've got currently. It was the integrity to tell the truth that made the students that were seeking say, well, then I'll actually, I feel okay to ask you about my stuff. Number of them also mentioned a mentor, and that was somebody distinct from a Christian peer. So it seems that all of us can be a key Christian friend to somebody probably in our same life stage or neighborhood or someone that we're running alongside kind of equally. But particularly for young adults, Having someone invest in them that was older than them, whether that be in faith or years, has been absolutely vital to them meeting Jesus. And this is where the local church is distinct to any other way of doing this, because you guys actually are a multi-generational family. And when students are walking in, they don't want a separate ghetto for students. They want to be part of a multi-generational family. They want new parents. They want to come around your house for Sunday lunch with you. They want to help you with the kids and learn about parenting firsthand. They want to find out how your work day has been because one day they might actually be in a sphere of influence in society outside of university and need to know how to navigate it. We actually want to go together. We don't want to go alone. We don't want to be in a ghetto of 20s and 30s. We want to be with parents, grandparents, little brothers and sisters working this thing out as a family. That was really clear in the data, and it's a really distinct thing the local church can offer in a way basically nowhere else can for students. And finally, a number of these students walked into meeting Jesus in the context of broken relationships elsewhere. Now, we know this, but it's worth remembering when you are meeting an 18-year-old, they are not walking in with parents that are still married, with family members who are close to them who are still alive or well. They're not walking in without any context to maybe some past hurt in romantic relationships, even quite serious hurt. Brokenness, unforgiveness, lack of reconciliation defines our culture, and that is no exception for our young adults. They might only be 18, but you will be... Uh, amazed at the amount of serious conflict and brokenness that's already happened to them before they even finish secondary school. And so, given we know King Jesus, the reconciler who gives us the ministry of reconciliation, given we know it defines us as a people, that we are people that receive forgiveness and are able to freely give it, people that have been reconciled to God and therefore able to bridge the gap between humanity and its maker, that is really good news when you've got a generation walking through carrying broken relationships. Really, really good news. If you look at some of the quotes that they said, I mean, I, I, in Acts, you've also got this d d mentoring. If you follow through how Paul, when he get, meets Jesus, he is mentored, then he becomes the mentee, and then he fathers Timothy. You can trace these mentoring family-like relationships and how early churches were started. But some of these quotes... 
forgiveness was just a beautiful um, thread running throughout. Uh, church friends feeling solid when the city felt shaped like it was shaking and moving and they didn't know where they fit. They found respect for the first time in the church. If you go on to the next slide, just some big stuff around, as you can imagine, fathers and the ability to forgive dad. We had testimonies of students who walked home for the first time at Christmas, having met the Lord, who walked in and told their father, I love you for the first time in their lives. And the mum just goes, you, something's happened. You, who have you met? Like, you must have met God because I've never seen you be able to do that before, to even look your father in the eye. Beautiful things like, um, oh, there was one testimony where they'd had a pain where they'd said, oh, for 10 years, they'd had this unforgiveness, total resentment to their parents. And then uh, the first time they got prayed for, they were like, oh, God's real because there's nothing else that's shifted that pain and that's a decade. I've been walking with that. Whoa, who have I just come across? It's worth us clocking, isn't it? That yes, of course we know, let's be friends with people and help welcome them into the friendship that Jesus is so relational. Yes, we know it's a good idea to mentor somebody, to invest in other generations and learn from the wisdom of our elders, of course. But when we remember, hold on, we must not forget to talk about forgiveness also affecting people to people, not just people to God. That is a key breakthrough for young adults right now because there's a lot going on, a lot that they've walked in with. So again, have a quick chat with the people next to you. What, what's striking you about that relationships theme that's come up? What do you think this church is, what, what are you thinking? Actually, yeah, we've got some real pathways that that's already there for. And where is that challenging you in your own life, in this community, around that relationship stuff? Have a quick chat again. What struck you? Go. Okay. Again, I'm just starting the conversation. Something to chat about over Sunday lunch. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to meet up with somebody from another generation, but I don't know where to start. Particularly like, okay, so students, you have a student team that you can talk to and say, how, how do we do this? How do we link the generations? But often what I found with local churches is what we need to do is someone's got to go first and be brave enough, literally, just to walk across the room and say hello. Because we, we all want to get to know each other and nobody knows how to approach each other. And we get lovely and awkward and then we think, oh, they wouldn't want to spend time with me or I've got nothing to offer them. Forgetting, remember, authenticity and integrity trumps right answers here. We just want to walk with you. We just want to know your life. We don't need you to have all the right answers or be like some sort of guru. We just wonder whether me and you and Jesus could have a chat, get to know how you're really doing. So I encourage you, if any of you are thinking, oh, no, I only know people my own generation here. Someone's got to be brave. Walk across the room and say hello. Just get a coffee and chill out. If it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't connect, it doesn't matter. It's okay. But we've got to start somewhere if we really want to be a family. The next one, investigation. I just want to, uh, I wonder how you guys are doing at this. This might feel a bit funny, but when we're talking about students, students are trained to ask questions. A big part of their academic career is argue the point, research it, find out more, don't necessarily agree with what you read, and question it. So it's really no surprise when we're talking with um, higher education young adults, it's really no surprise that space to ask questions and genuinely investigate the Christian faith has come up as a major part of how people are meeting Jesus. In investigation also comes the way that they are reading the Bible and asking questions of scripture as well as some of the, the big ones which they don't necessarily, you know, they're either reading the book of John and going, well, what does this mean? Or who is this Jesus? Or they're looking at the world and going, well, how can God allow that? Well, where is God now? 
And a major part of this investigation thing that came up that maybe, uh, maybe it surprises you, maybe not, is that it was less about I need the right answers. It was far more about there was a judgment-free space to ask all of my questions. They need space. And they don't... They all spoke so positively about the things that they didn't know about God, didn't understand about God, or the doubts that they had. Not because they're like, oh, it's brilliant not to really know where Jesus is in this situation, but because they didn't feel judged and nobody freaked out if they said, I don't really know whether the Bible it can be trusted. Instead, the communities they were part of went, let's actually look at that. Why might it be reliable? Why might it actually point us towards meeting Jesus? Or I don't really know whether I can trust God because I prayed and it didn't happen. Rather than going, oh, well, you just need more faith. Instead, people went, shall we explore that together? And shall we explore that with Jesus? As we ask him, where were you in that situation? How might I find you when it feels foggy? So there's this beautiful, judgment-free openness to asking better questions, not just finding the right answer. Because the thing is, we're not looking for formulas. Even in schools, we're not taught anymore. Teacher's answer is right, and we will sit there and write it down. Your kids are sat in circles at school, talking, group work, discussion. They're taught to ask questions. They're taught to research for themselves. It's no surprise that your 18-year-olds are therefore Googling it. They're doing the same. They're researching. So I wonder, for you guys as a community, how much space do you have for any question to be okay? And people not to freak out if they don't know the answer, but instead as a community journey through finding out together more of God. I mean, we, again, we see in Acts, whether it's uh, Philip on the road with the Ethiopian who is reading the scriptures and Philip jogs up to him and goes, do you actually understand what you're reading? And he goes, actually, no, I really don't. Can someone explain it? And Philip's like, well, actually, this is quite amazing, but you've actually opened the bit that's actually about Jesus. And so Philip does this beautiful bit of evangelism off the page where um, the Ethiopian was reading and going, I don't get it. How do we have a space in our Bible studies that you allow somebody to sit there and go, I don't get it. And you start with what they're, where they're at, not where your right answer is. You start with where they've opened scripture and together you journey. Or if you fast forward into later on in Acts when Paul's walking through and first of all, he's teaching and wrestling and answering questions in the synagogue, in religious community. And then the next is in the marketplace where out there ideas are being shared all the time and he does the same thing. Whether in, in, in an overtly Christian setting or out there in the world, either way, Paul was willing to ask questions to provoke a response from the crowd. Do you even know who the unknown God is? Who are you praying to? Do you want me to introduce you? He started where they were at, saw what was in the city, and then said, I can actually tell you that God's got a name. How are we doing at questions and space and debate and challenge, not arguing, but as a community, allowing space for people to ask better questions of Jesus, of the scriptures, of each other? What does that look like for you guys? Again, have a quick chat. The, that whole element of investigation, where's that at for you guys? Go for it. The irony of asking you to talk about giving space to talk and then stopping you from talking. Sorry. <laughs> and that's one to think about because even how we do our kitchen table conversations or how we do our small midweek groups, there's a few adjustments we can make that just allow somebody that might be searching and even each other 
because we've all got some questions that we're not sure whether we're allowed to say out loud. Wouldn't it be amazing if it became known as the place to find out about God because it's a judgment-free zone for asking questions? Wouldn't that be a cool thing to say about this community? And the final thing uh, that students meeting Jesus right now kept saying was, uh, aside from the fact that we believe the Holy Spirit is at work in all things to bring us towards Christ, so it's not like he isn't in the church Sunday meeting or he isn't in the small group question asking, but there was a specific marked uh, kind of factor that kept coming up around supernatural experiences and the power of prayer to actually change things. And I want us to notice this because it provokes the question in me, certainly, am I praying with my mates who don't know Jesus in such a way that if God isn't real and doesn't show up, we'll all know? Because it's one thing to pray a prayer of blessing, and that is powerful, don't get me wrong. But it's another thing to actually get down to the nitty gritty of what they need God to do, the breakthrough that is needed It's much scarier to put all of the accountability on Jesus actually doing something because you were specifically asked in a way you can specifically know whether he answers it and does something or not. But in time and time again in these testimonies, story after story was testifying to prayer actually making the difference because they actually prayed for healing, for breakthrough, for peace. They had money through the door when they were going to get kicked out of their houses. They had sisters out of hospital because prayer actually works. There were some really high stakes things going on in these student lives. And the church community said, well, together, let's pray. How are you doing offering prayer to those yet to know Jesus as a key way they meet him and talk to him for the first time? I mean, the testimonies coming through around um, trying praying for the first time and realizing they got very emotional and that made them realize Oh, I must be talking to somebody because I wouldn't do that on my own. But as I begin this conversation for the first time, I've realized I'm not on my own as I'm speaking. For some of them, that was enough for them to give their lives to Jesus when they realized prayer is a thing that they can do without a mediator in their room and meet God. Extraordinary. For others, it was more profound experience of the Holy Spirit. Some of them more dramatic, some of them very quiet. For some, it was uh, the gift of joy for the first time when they'd felt sad for so long. For others, um, it was a moment of, in fact, to be honest, four out, four of the students that I spoke to were all um, contemplating or about to um, try and take their own lives when they heard the audible voice of God saying something like, stop, your life matters, you are worth something, I love you, I'm with you, or stop, you matter, you need to go to church. They heard God before they knew he could talk, usually at a moment of key despair. And now we know Acts, like I said before, Luke characterizes uh, his writing throughout Acts of the needing for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the powerful way they prayed were filled and then spoke in great boldness. But, you know, as I, you know, we've got all these stunning quotes of people um, talking about this click happening, or suddenly they've got a hunger to read scripture because they've encountered the Holy Spirit, or um, suddenly not wanting to die anymore. How are we doing at offering prayer, not just as a blessing, but as a space for God to move where only God can, in a way where the Holy Spirit wants to fill gaps that we can't fill, even with our clever words or nice ideas? And I do, I love that you guys, whatever your need is, we'd love to pray with you. I love that that's just there, and that's actually true. And for some of us, we don't even know what we need, but as we begin to speak, we realize we're not alone. 
somebody is speaking with us and to us and around us. So again, just chat with the people next to you for a couple of minutes. Prayer. Did you know it is an unbelievable tool for mission? Did you know that the Holy Spirit wants to talk to people that don't know Jesus as much as us who do? And where do supernatural encounters fit into how you share the good news of Jesus? Because that has been a key way in which the Holy Spirit has touched a life and it has been transformed. Have a quick chat. What does that look like for you guys? Go for it. So, again, that's the start of a conversation, not a full stop. I literally just opened a can of worms again because I've just gone, so supernatural experiences in your church, go. I know that's massive. <laughs> I'm aware of that. But I just want to finish by praying for you on those four things, for breakthrough in your church, but also that this would genuinely be just starting a conversation for how what you're already doing is actually all the mission of God. It is all a wonderful invitation to the good news to meet Jesus. And sometimes all we needed was that light bulb perspective shift to go, oh, people are actually meeting Jesus through this stuff. I don't have to do an, another special extra. I actually just need to start making every area of this stuff open and invited for those yet to meet him. Why don't you all stand with me if you're able? And I'd love to pray for us on those four things as we finish. And even if you're not uh, reaching your 18s to 30s, Let's not pretend this isn't all highly biblical and the Holy Spirit just might want to use you anyway as God's missionary out there. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present and active amongst us. King Jesus, we are so grateful that young people are meeting you on campus right now. Lord, I thank you for the salvation stories of this nation and I thank you that you are choosing to use your body, your local churches up and down the country to be the good news people. And so, Lord, I simply pray for each one of us as your hands and feet, as parts of your one beautiful body of Christ. I pray for each of us that we might be used full of the Holy Spirit to be the best invitation to fullness of life. Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing over this church in the way it gathers on a Sunday and its midweeks, in the way it preaches and the way it welcomes. Holy Spirit, will you use every element of this family get-together to draw those yet to meet Jesus into his family and his home. Father, I pray for every relationship represented here, that we would be phenomenal friends to our mates that don't know Jesus. Lord, I pray for breakthrough around mentoring across generations. Lord, will you give us all greater confidence to speak to people not like us and learn from each other? Father, I pray even now that you'd highlight to some people where they need to actually just ask for coffee with somebody. Will you bring up a name, a face, somebody they just need to walk across the room and be brave. And Lord, where there is brokenness and unforgiveness, we pray we would be such ministers of reconciliation. And even in our own lives, Lord, where we need to be reminded of the forgiveness you give us. Father, I pray now that we would have a fresh revelation of being a forgiven, reconciled people. That we might overflow with that to a generation so in desperate need of reconciliation. Lord Jesus, I pray for our confidence to ask questions and to give space to explore together. May this be a church not afraid of silence, not afraid of difficult questions, but to be a church that as a community looks to Jesus and asks him to his face. Father, may we be a thinking, exploring, curious community. And Lord Jesus, we pray for the fire of your Holy Spirit to characterize our lives, our words, our deeds, the way we speak and the way we live. 
Spirit of God, we just don't want to do this unless you go first and go all the way with us and through us. So Holy Spirit, will you come now? Will you fill us again with your fire and your courage? Will we be a distinctive salt and light people? Not because of our efforts, but because of the good news of Jesus. Not because of anything we've done, but because of everything he's done for us. And may through your power, Lord, may we have that confidence to know this is good news. This is a wonderful invitation. And this is a place that people will find home and find the Father. So I bless this community. I praise you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And we ask that there would be many, many young people, many, many generations that turn and follow Jesus because we are faithful. In his name and authority, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having me, guys. Bless you.